come on through, Charlotte. Welcome to the Mad House. <laughs> Man, it's boiling in here. Sorry, I need to keep the temperature regulated to a South American climate. You can take your vest off if you like. I've never liked those horrible orange things they make you wear. Oh, cheers. Shit, it looks like you've been robbed in here or something. Oh no, sweetheart. This is just a little creative chaos. Oh man, what is that stink? Smells like my dead nan's vagin here. I'm seriously gagging. I can't smell anything myself. I keep telling the council to do something about the ventilation in here. These old conservatories need a lot of TLC in their dotage. But according to the parks department, I've let the place go to rack and ruin. What would they know? They don't understand what I'm trying to do here, what I'm trying to create. You see, Charlotte, my vision is... Sods that I- to be rude in that, but can you crack open a window or something? I'm literally gagging here. A window? Open a window? Oh, no, 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 Charlotte. I've created a very delicate ecosystem. Why, a mere gust of wind could wilt my escoto berries. Penny, I can't work in here with that rank cheese smell. I'm going to be gagging every five minutes. Oh, really? Such a pity. Sorry, can you refresh my memory? Is your probation officer called Gary or Larry? I've only got him down as prob manager on my phone. Whoa! I never said I was actually leaving, did I? Oh, So you're staying with me for the afternoon? Yeah, I guess so. How wonderful. You can start by popping down your bag and then we'll get cracking. Don't worry about thieves, it'll be quite safe down here. We don't get many visitors to the greenhouses. Oh man, there's like dirt everywhere in here. My bag's going to get all manky in that. It'll be fine. Nothing wrong with a bit of good clean dirt. Can I have a plastic bag or something to stand it on? Plastic is very bad for the environment, Charlotte. Did you know it takes up to a thousand years for a plastic bag to fully decompose? Every time you pop a plastic bag into a rubbish bin, it's like you're burying a serial killer in the ground. No offence, Penny, but I'm sure if you go outside, you won't be tripping all over Rose West and her mates. Metaphorically speaking, Charlotte. Okay, whatever. Charlotte... You do recycle, don't you? I keep telling you my name is Shars, and yeah, I recycle. Sometimes. Okay. Well, if you'd like to retrieve two aprons from the chest, we'll get started. This one? Yes, please. Here. Thank you. Well, you're probably chomping at the bit to know what we're going to be doing this afternoon. Yeah, sure. Um, could you, uh, possibly put the phone away? Please? Gary said you weren't allowed to be on your mobile during service hours. I know that. But it's my mate Tasha. She's at the other end of the park cleaning the bins out. (laughs) She's been made to scrape off the mankiest shit. Like proper rank stuff. Well, once you're done, would you mind popping it back into your bag? 
then I think we'll start with a bit of a spruce up. Looks like a mad woman's undergarments in here, as Jess used to say. <laughs> Come on now, Charlotte. In fact, shall I keep hold of it until we're finished? What? No way. Charlotte, uh, hand me your phone, or I will have to notify Gary. Fine. Whatever. Here, have it. Thank you. Okay. What now? Let's start by giving ourselves a nice clear space to work in. How about you try stacking some pots? Is that okay? Fine. Great. So, who's Jess then? Jess, my partner. My ex-partner. Oh. Yes? Nothing. Did you meet each other in here? In the park? Did you come sniffing round your bush? Jess? No. We met each other at uni. Got together after a co-department Christmas party. Just before the recession hit. She was lecturing in anthropology at the time. I had just started as a researcher in environmental studies. My cousin went to uni. She did American studies and media. Oh. Did she want to work in broadcasting? Nah. She just used to sit around all day watching repeats of Buffy on Sky. I think she got third. So how come you aren't at uni no more? Uh, that's a complicated matter. Soz, I didn't realise you got fired. My mate Tasha got sacked from HMV for nicking gift vouchers. Bad times. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. Oh, let's say my position was threatened. I needed to publish some credible body of research to the department or else it was game over, as they say. My peers had just released some interesting findings on fungi found in the wastes of Chernobyl. Ch- who? Never mind. I was very shaken. I'd heard that the postgraduate department would no longer be needing two research botanists in the upcoming year. Clearly I was going to be the one for the job. Shit, man. Couldn't your girlfriend do anything for you? Like, big you up to one of the bosses and that? <laughs> it doesn't quite work like that in academic circles, Charlotte. But she did suggest coming with her to Peru for a few weeks. She was supposed to be going on some sort of working holiday with a few colleagues. An inspiration vacation, she called it. She thought I might get inspired and save myself from the cull. So two weeks later, we were booked onto a 15-hour flight to Lima. A two-day trip across the mountains to Trompeteros. The locals were very nice, good standard of English, clean accommodation and all that. A week later, and I was completely forgotten. Jess had become consumed by her work. I didn't see her for days at a time. So I slathered myself in suntan lotion, spent days wondering what should I do with myself? What if I lost my job? What if this trip was just a, a big waste of time? My mind started to despair. Shit. Sounds like you were proper stressing out. Not really. I, I, I do a lot of meditation. I start with a few deep breaths and then I just try to focus on nothing usually if I'm feeling really distraught I'll reel off the names of plant species I know like Magnolia salicifolia Magnolia macrophylla Magnolia acuminata and all that every morning I woke up stretched 
and started chanting all the species I could think of. Species that date back over a million years, far before mankind ever walked the face of the earth. Did you know they're all bisexual? Who? The flowers? (laughs) Yes, well, magnolias are. They have hundreds of carpels and stamens curving around their buds. It forms a beautiful spiral pattern. What? <sighs> they have dozens of peepees and nanes inside of them. Oh, so the plants can literally go fuck themselves. Quite. They still need to be pollinated from time to time. It's theorised that before bees appeared on the scene, beetles used to pollinate the buds. Of course, to avoid any damage from the beetles, the flower's petals had to become extremely tough. Magnolias are generally built for survival. They are the armoured tank of the horticultural world. Really? It's true. Plants are always waging a silent war against each other for survival. They're constantly trying to choke out lesser species, but unlike their human counterparts, emotions never get involved. Plants are fearless. Dominate and conquer is the aim of the game. Uh, Sorry, I'm probably boring you to death, aren't I? No, you're okay. Where do you want these dead roses, then? Oh, poor things. They've lost their battle. (sighs) Could you be an angel and dump them outside for me? I think there's a plastic bin on the left-hand side of the building, just past the gate. Sure. Can I have a fag break while I'm out there? Okay, just a quick one, mind you. Cheers. See you in a bit. Come out, come out wherever you are. Oh, there you are. How are you doing, my lovely? Are you feeling all right today? Hmm? Still looking a tad peaky, eh? Sorry I wasn't here to feed you this morning. Too busy filling in the paperwork for that young reprobate. Oh, don't look so cross. I know you're hungry, but it won't be very long now. In fact, I've bought you something to tide you over. Now, the butcher said this was fresh this morning, so it should still be full of lovely vitamins... Sorry, I can't get the real thing. Just be patient. Here we go. Some lovely liver for you. Yum, yum. There we are. How about a little kiss for Penny Pops? Hmm? A thank you for your little treat? Hey, come out, skins. Don't smoke by any chance. What are you doing over there? Why have you got dirt on your lips for? You found me out. I have a nasty habit of biting my nails. I really should stop. You never know what you might pick up in this place. I had quite a nasty reaction to something stuck under my thumbnail last month. Cheeks swelled up like a hamster. I could hardly breathe. Shit, man. Are you feeling all right? I'll be fine. Are you sure? You've gone all white. I'll be fine. I'm just feeling a little breathless. Well, seeing as you're back early, how about we try something more challenging? Sure. Whatever. Marvellous. Could you possibly spritz the plants over here for me? 
The spritz bottle is in the tool chest. Okay. So, there was a kid like you at my old school. Oh, a botany lover? No, he had a massive nut allergy. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All the teachers had to pussyfoot around him. You know, making sure he didn't swallow any nuts by accident. You couldn't even bring nuts into school because the smell could literally kill him or something. But one day my mate Tash put an empty packet of KPs under his jacket hoodie. <laughs> my good lord, was he alright? Yeah, he was fine. But Tash got suspended for giving him a rash. <laughs> a rash! There's no justice in the world, is there? Was that the boy on the train? The one who was attacked? How do you know about that? I overheard Gary this morning at the Keeper's Lodge. Or was it Larry? Anyway, he kept moaning about a group of girls he needed to break up. Apparently, they were responsible for a nasty bit of battery the last time they were all together. Something to do with the train? It weren't me. It was Kaz. I can safely assume, then, that you were one of the girls he was talking about. Kind of. Look, I didn't do anything. I didn't see anything. (laughs) It's okay, Charlotte. I'm not here to judge you. I was just wondering why you ended up doing community service instead of going off to an institution. Look, I wasn't there when it happened. All right. Enough said. So how did you get involved in all this? Well, this is how I remember it. Me and Kaz had taken out her niece, Charmaine, for the day because her sister had to go back to work. It was raining and we dressed her in this cute little princess coat with a cute little pink umbrella and all that other cute little princessy shit. So we all went to town together to look round the shops and shit. Then it got to about four o'clock and I said we could go pick up Tash from college. So we picked up Tash and went to go back to the station. So we get on and we just start dissing and sharing bear jokes. You know, about school and shit like that. Then, like ten seconds before the door closes, this, like, greasy goth kid steps on. So this goth kid is, like, dressed for a funeral or something. He has on these massive headphones and it's pumping out this shit, like, duh, duh, duh. Kaz turns to me and she says, he used to go to her old school. You see... Me and Kaz went to separate schools. Her mum wanted her to go to St Jude's up the road, but Kaz ain't no Bible basher or nothing. Her mum just wanted her to do well in her exams and that, but Kaz was thrown out of a maths GCSE for laughing at Mrs Ward's limp. (laughs) Anyway, Kaz said something to Tash and then she hid behind the goth kid. Only he doesn't realise she's there, right? Then she pulls a hand through the gap in the seats and yanks his ponytail. The gothic kid, he don't know what's happening. <laughs> OMG, his face. I just creased. He gives us evils and just goes back to reading his book or whatever. Then Kaz calls over Tash and Tash goes over to him and pulls his hair again. They break up laughing, bear jokes. Then he turns around and gives Tash a proper stinking look. Like really evil. So Tash says, don't you look at me like that, you fucking queer freak. And Kaz bursts out laughing. So he turns up the music and it's like this really loud metal shit. And I don't like that stuff. Do you? I can't stand it. So I shout to him, Oi, there's a kid on board. Turn down your shitty music. Charmaine is just sucking on a dummy, looking up at me. Then Kaz grabs his headphones and says, Stop scaring my niece, you freak. 
and he looks at her full in the face and he says something nasty to her but I don't hear nothing over the music I swear down whatever he said Kaz didn't like it one bit so she started yelling kick the queer kick the queer she grabbed at Charmaine's little pink coat and said go on Charmaine hit him and stuff like he's batty he's filth and that she kicks him in the knee and then pushes Charmaine towards him but Charmaine don't know what's going on so she just looks up at him and I say leave her alone Kaz but she says no she's got to learn and boots him again in the shin and this goth kid he don't know what to do because he's got this little baby staring up at him and Kaz has proper hit him in the leg and Tash is just laughing and laughing so he gets up and walks down the aisle away from us so you didn't attack him on board I didn't do anything it was Kaz Tash grabbed Charmaine's umbrella when he was getting off and hit him on the back of the head I thought it was weird because he didn't even say anything he just stepped off the train and walked up the steps is that where it happened? outside the station? Kaz says to me what's Charmaine? and I say why? but she bolts up the stairs after him you see there's this new block of luxury flats going up down our way Big fancy ones that nobody can afford. Anyway, the building site is really close to the station and there's loads of bricks and shit around. So Kaz yells up the steps, Oi, batty boy! And he goes to leave, but I saw her follow him down the road. I saw her pick up that brick. I didn't know what she was going to do. I didn't know. But it wasn't my fault. Whose fault is it then? Kaz. Kaz lied. And she was supposed to be your best friend? Yeah. She said in court that I made her do it. Yes, but you didn't exactly try to stop her, did you? There's nothing I could do. I... I don't want to talk about it anymore. These are done. What's next? Uh, how about watering my little friend over here? What? The cabbage? She's actually an Afundamento plant. I found her on my little excursion to Peru. She just adores water, laps it up all day long. She's been driving me quite mad. I think it's because of her native swampy origins. You'll find the watering can just behind the tool chest. Make sure you get deep into her roots. So, it's from Peru? Weird. Is it supposed to be that colour? It looks ill. Yes, she's a little undernourished. Usually her stamen pulsates a bright red fluid. Careful now, Charlotte. Go easy with the watering can. Try to act like a light Amazonian shower. Pour gently and slowly around the roots. Take your time now, there's no rush. Okay. whatever. Charlotte, have you ever heard of the Manolisii? Nope. It's a rare form of magnolia that also grows in Peru, only a few days south of Trompeteros. It's largely considered endangered due to the destruction of its habitat. There's only 2,000 of them left in the world. Wow. I know. You see, prior to arriving in Peru, Jess and I had batted around the idea of seeing some local ruins, you know, old Incan burial sites and whatnot. But I explained to Jess that seeing the Manolisii would be far more beneficial to my work. Jess agreed that she'd become a little distant and perhaps she could spare a few days. Our guide was a friend of a friend of 
somebody Jess knew. I think his name was Marcos or Pedro. He lived in a tiny shack on the outskirts of Rioja. He ran a small but lucrative business in renting out canoes to tourists sailing down the Takima River. He also made a tidy profit leading small tours around the lower regions of the Altamayo. He was a little grey man with a heavily wrinkled face and he smelled strongly of stale cigarettes. I listened and smiled benignly as Jess garbled away at him in Spanish. She explained where we were from, the name of her acquaintance and our interest in the flowers. Pedro explained that he could take us across the Caserio La Perla de Cascayunga. However, he thought we would have more luck finding the flowers along the banks of the Rio Aquia. Now, this truly confused me. You see, all my research indicated that the Manalisii should only grow around the higher regions of the mountainside, not on the muddy banks of the river. I asked Jess to translate what he meant. He smiled and muttered one word. Afundamento. What's that mean? Its literal translation is beautiful moment. Beautiful. This thing, it looks like it's about to die. <laughs> looks can be deceiving, Charlotte. Could you possibly sprinkle on some more water over her front? Her leaves are practically withered to a crisp. Go on. Get right on in there. Christ. You talk about it like it's alive or something. You know, I actually thought this community ship was going to suck balls. But it's kind of nice in a way. You know? Therapeutic and that. Better than cleaning out the bins. <laughs> yeah. Better than cleaning out bins. So what happened with the guy? We agreed on a price. Handed him a roll of bills and walked into his shack... Fifteen minutes later, we were paddling down the river. I instantly became sick. My cousin Kelly was sick in a Morrison's bag five times after going on the Nemesis at Alton Towers. Motion sickness can be such a bitch. Quite. I signalled Jess to pull over. Jess interpreted the message to Pedro and we drifted lazily towards the riverside. I scanned the periphery. There were the usual bladder warts and reeds, nothing special. No a fundamento plant. I thought Pedro was pulling our leg. He lit another cigarette, garbled a few words in Spanish. Jess stumbled through a hasty translation. He said, the Spanish were the first ones to map the area. Nicotine had re-energised his usual tourist spiel. His accent was so thick, Jess had to translate his speech in snatches. He said something about how the early Catholic missionaries found the mountains hard to navigate and the earliest cartography was based purely on guesswork. They knew something must thrive in the heart of the valley, but they had no idea what or who it was. He told us that the prime vegetation in the area used to be the Guanmansuri weed. Due to illegal waste dumping in the late 60s, it had all but died out. It was a shame because the plant had some unusual characteristics. For example, the leaves of the plant would burn, but not its roots. That way the plant can regrow quickly after forest fires. Clever little plant. Quite. He then asked if we had ever heard of the Hibani tribe. Well, Jess drew a complete blank. 
As it turned out, Hibani wasn't the tribe's real name. What Hibani really means is weed or weedling to be precise. They were known as the weed tribe by the Spanish. This comes from their use of the Guanmansuri route. You see, they would pull long strips of the root up from the muddy riverbed and then weave them into the most elaborate structures. By doing so, these peaceful people could survive any arson attack from rival tribes. Of course, this tactic only works against tribal warfare, so by the end of the 16th century, the advanced Spanish military invaded the area and the Hibani were literally... Fucked. ...overwhelmed. But here's the strange thing. When the conquistadors finally made their move, they found absolutely nothing. Not a single person. Every man, woman and child all disappeared into the ether. Only their weed huts remained. What happened? Well, there are several theories on the subject. One is that they relocated further up north to avoid certain death. Two is that they were abducted by another tribe, but... That's highly unlikely, seeing as the Hibani were so renowned for their unique survival skills. And three... Well, it's just a tad silly. Go on. What? Well... No, I really shouldn't. Go on. It's just a stupid myth Pedro told us. Nobody really knows what happened. They might never have existed in the first place. He asked us if we wanted to take a look for ourselves... He was already fishing in his shirt pocket for another cigarette. Perhaps you might see an old ruin of the weed tribe, he said, flashing a full set of those yellow-stained teeth. Jess practically jumped out of the canoe to be rid of him. Pedro lit another cigarette. We handed him our bags and set off towards the undergrowth. Oh, and uh, he did tell us one more thing. What? Well, according to the local tribes who were later enslaved by the Spanish, the plant, the Afundamento plant, it was never seen before in that region, not until the Hibani had completely disappeared. Creepy. At least you were able to find one. Yes, but only after trudging through the undergrowth for two hours, and even then it was sheer dumb luck. I tripped over something and fell down a ravine. When I landed, I could feel a burning sensation in my left ankle. Knowing I'd pulled something, I looked around me for help, and that's when I spotted it. It stood in a small patch of marshy ground, surrounded by dozens of small animal bones. I instantly froze. Clearly this was the territory of a large predator. All thoughts of my sprained ankle were pushed to the back of my mind. Two seconds later, Jess comes sliding down the ravine. Her eyes bulged as I pointed to my discovery. It was huge, almost the size of a Dalmatian, with ruby-red sap oozing out from its interior. It poured slowly and thickly down its body, gathering into a dense pool near its base. It was gorgeous, simply gorgeous, but my lord, the smell. It smelled like rotten meat mixed with fresh urine. The shock of viewing the plant had primarily dulled our senses, but its pervasive smell hit us like a proverbial brick wall. I covered my mouth and gagged. <laughs> Jess pulled up her T-shirt. She hesitantly walked towards the source of the stench. 
She looked into the gathering pool of red liquid and saw something moving inside. Stupidly, she placed her hand into the pool. Perhaps she thought she was about to rescue a small bird or something. She drew her hand back instantly as she realised she was holding a half-melted capuchin monkey. You see, she didn't realise that the plant worked like a dianaeum muscipula. It slowly dissolves its prey using powerful enzymes. Penny? Yes? What the hell is a dido thingy bob? Oh, Charlotte, you silly thing. A dianeum scipula is a Venus flytrap. You see, when a little fly draws close to I the... I know pulse, what a Venus flytrap is. I'm not totally stupid. Quite. However, you have failed to notice that you are up to your shins in soil. What? Ah! What the fuck? I can't move. Yes, but but do try to relax. Relax. Charlotte, I'm really sorry to spring this on you, but I couldn't think of a better way to tell you. Tell me what? Oh, dear. Perhaps you don't understand the gravity of the situation. What? What are you going on about? One moment, please. Now, where did I put your phone? Ah. Uh, ah. Now, how do you unlock this thing? What are you doing with my phone? Give me it back. Charlotte, we haven't got time for silly questions. How do I unlock it? Why? Time is of the essence, Charlotte. Come on. Just dial 2684. Are you phoning an ambulance? Hmm. Okay. Now, now how do we use the camera? What the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? ah! It's pulling me down. Oh, shit. Help me. Okay, and we're rolling. Oh, this thing has a lovely focus on it, Charlotte. Very high resolution. Help me. That was good. You got an instantaneous reaction. Do it again. Fuck off. Good afternoon. My name is Penelope Minchel. The date is June 29th. The time is 5pm. This is test subject number two. Her name is Charlotte Britton, also known as Shars. She is 19 years old and her sex is female. What? What are you doing? Why are you recording this? For posterity, my dear Charlotte. For my research. I missed recording the first girl and she was far larger than yourself. My phone is practically a brick. First girl. Mm, I should probably explain. You see, all Venus flytraps descended from Drosera plants. What? Okay, I'll dumb it down for you. Plants of the Drosera variety use sticky sap to smother small insects. However, specimens of the evolved Dionya species are able to capture and hold on to much larger insects. Thus, more nutrients can be extracted from its prey. I believe what we have here is a hybrid, a one of a kind. A Drosera plant in form, but with the trigger hair capturing mechanism of the Dionya. I believe this little darling can actually hear us. It must use some sort of audio trigger to capture its prey. Isn't that exciting? Oh, Charlotte, I wish you could see your face. Oh, my God. Help me! Somebody help me, please! That's the spirit, Charlotte. Keep screaming. You're letting her know you're still alive and full of yummy nutrients. What are you chatting about? 
You're sick. You're mental. Oh, really? <sighs> Think about it. The Hibani. Perhaps they never really left their homeland. What? You think the plants got them? Yes, in a manner of speaking. You see, when Jess touched the sap, it was like poking her fingers into a powerful stomach acid. Her fingertips practically melted away on contact. That's when her shrieking triggered the plant's mechanism. You fed your girlfriend to the cabbage. As Jess sank into the ground, I realised that the Hibani, the weed tribe, they never really died. They gave themselves unto the land before the Spanish could conquer them. A sacrifice of the flesh so their peaceful spirits could go on living within the soil, each soul reborn into a flowering paradise. You are one crazy fucking bitch. I know. I thought that too. Well, I, I thought I was mad when I saw Jess's head plunge beneath the soil. She was thrashing about like a wildcat, but the more she struggled, the quicker she sank. Then moments later, I almost thought I'd imagined the whole thing. It was over so fast. I stared in horror at the spot where she vanished. Then, as I looked down, a beautiful green bud swelled up out of the soil, just like the head of a newborn baby, and I knew, I just knew that this was Jess reborn. You let your girlfriend be swallowed up by a giant plant and you did nothing. After all she did for you, trying to save your skinny ass from being sacked, you did nothing. You just watched her die. Reborn. I watched her be reborn. Just like... You're just like those shitheads from the council. You don't understand me. You don't understand my work. You don't understand what it's like toiling in a shitty public park five days a week, having to work with young thugs and hooligans. The things I've seen out there when they've been left to their own devices, shitting in litter bins and spray-painting filth on the playground. I watched those drunken idiots every night for two years vomit into the sensory garden. And who's left to clean up the mess? Who, Charlotte? Who? You could have said something to them. Told them to stop. Oh, my God, there's something down here. I can feel something between my legs. Why bother? They beat up old women for their pensions and inject themselves with God knows what. No, I don't want to live in a world like that. The Hibani had the right idea. They knew that we are all savages underneath the skin. It's better this way. I'm not like that. I'm not a bad person. I know, Charlotte, I know. That's why I wanted to give you a second chance. A life free of violence, free of jealousy, free of hate. Just the warmth of the sun and the solid earth and the rain quench your thirst. You deserve a fresh start. What are you doing with that shovel? Oh, Penny, no. Penny, please, no. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry about that boy. I didn't mean to hurt him. I just wanted to scare him a little. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for calling you a crazy bitch. You're really smart. Really, really smart. I'm sorry, Penny. Charlotte, you're going to be just fine right here next to Jessie. I'll take care of both of you. Now, 
go to sleep, and when you're good and strong, I'll bring you another friend to keep you company. Oh, God, help me. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Oh, it's burning me. It's burning my legs. Quiet now. You need your rest. Easy does it. Sleepy time, Charlotte. Hello, Gary. Oh, sorry. Hi, Larry. Yes, I, I know, I know. I'm always getting it wrong, aren't I? Uh, sorry to call you so late, but I'm afraid I've got some bad news again. Uh, Charlotte's run out on me. I know. I know, that's the second one this month. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, she said she needed a fag break, and the next thing I know, poof, into thin air. Well, she left her bag here, so I don't know. N no, not a trace. Okay, okay, fair enough. So I'll have a new person starting tomorrow? Oh, fantastic. How about the other girl? Yes, Natasha. Great. Fantastic. What? Oh, no problem, Larry. No, no she won't be any trouble. No, no. I think she'll be very much a changed woman by the end of the day. By the End of the Day was written by Paul Stoyle and directed by Simon Kirk. The cast featured Joe Palmer-Tweed and Sarah Cullum. This audio play was produced by Frequency Theatre.